The New York Jets are now on the board. Okay, Jet fans, Darrell Revis. Being in New York has been one of the greatest blessings. Zach Smith Avenue, brand that one right now. The New York Jets flag. Welcome to another episode, NFL Draft Preview. Ethan Greenberg, Dane Brugler. We got a real special episode. We got a fun one. We got our own mock draft. I would say seven rounds, but right now the Jets only have picks up until the fifth round. So a five-round mock draft, but it's still a full Jets draft presented to you by Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Dane, you ready to go? You feeling good about this mock? Fans going to like it or fans going to rip it? What's going to happen here? Well, there'll be a little bit of both, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, we're, we're in the midst of free agency, so things could change by the minute. Um, uh, but with where we are right now, I think this is a pretty uh, realistic scenario, but also one that I think a lot of fans would be in favor of. All right, well, let's just set the table here because we do. I think we do have to date ourselves. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is protecting you, right? This is like your insurance policy here. Thank We're you. recording March 15th. 1039 in the morning, which means that free agency technically hasn't even officially started yet. So the negotiating windows open. The Jets have reportedly agreed to terms with a number of players. Dane feels good about the mock draft. So if you're ready, Dane, we're just, let's just start off, right? We're going to fire them off at a time. You ready? Sounds good. And, and it, it is important to say too, we didn't, you know, no trades. We didn't do anything like that. Yes. So we're, we're, you know, we're not doing any movement or anything. It's just, uh, where the Jets are currently slated to pick that that's where we uh, that's where we're focused on right now. All right. Well said. Well said. All right. So this is where we would cue the music if this were, you know, on television right now. It is not. So we will cue it in our minds, a little draft jingle. Right. With the fourth overall pick, the New York Jets are on the clock and you have them selecting Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Why is that the right pick for the Jets here? 6'3", 190, 33 and a half inch arms, uh, and he ran a 4'4", 1. Uh, that alone has got your attention. Um, how about the fact that he had over 1,100 coverage snaps in college and did not allow a touchdown? Uh, productive, had at least three interceptions each of the last three years uh, at Cincinnati. This guy was a lockdown corner. Uh, he's a long-bodied, athletic cover man, does a great job staying on top of routes. Uh, he challenges uh, the catch point, very disruptive. Uh, want to see him continue to get stronger. But if you're looking for a sticky bump and run corner, uh, he's got athletic instincts. He can smother uh, different types of route runners. It's not just vertical guys, not just possession guys. Uh, any type of route runner, he can handle them. So, uh, you know, Cincinnati, they have not had a first-round pick since 1971. That's going to change pretty soon, and it could happen with that number four pick. And do you think that that is – you don't like long story short, you don't think that's too rich, right? Sauce at four. I, I feel like there are, if we were to have this conversation maybe a month ago, maybe it is a little too rich. Has, has the combine changed that at all? Like in the way that evaluators view sauce? I think he helped himself by, uh, you know, coming in. His, there were, you know, questions about just how fast was he? Was he a four, four, nine, four, five, two guy, or was he going to be in the low four fours? And um, to be honest with you, that really shouldn't matter that much. I mean, it, on tape, is he faster? Is, is he not? But when you're trying to, uh, you know, kind of boil it down and, uh, you know, you're looking at all these really talented players, the littlest things like a 4-4-1 and the 40-yard dash, that could be a little bit of a difference. Um, and I think that, you know, we've talked about how this draft class at the top doesn't necessarily get you that excited. And so I think we're going to see a lot of teams focus on the premium positions, offensive tackle, pass rusher, corner. 
and a monster sauce Gardner right there in that mix as uh, arguably the top corner this year. And I think the Jets with two top 10 picks, that's the two directions they could be looking at, you know, address those premium positions, get good players. And I think sauce Gardner definitely falls in that category because I don't think he makes it to you uh, at number 10 if you're thinking about maybe waiting on him. So for Sauce Garner, like, what does he do best? Obviously, he's had a stellar collegiate career, but what's maybe one or two traits that you're like, you know what, those things really translate, and he does those things really well, and the Jets should be excited about that in particular. Uh, first off, you have to talk about his confidence. Uh, this guy is does not lack for well confidence. with a name like Sauce, right? Like yeah, you have yeah. to be. And, you know, it just talking to him about, like, you know, what sauce means. And he's like, I don't know. I, I just I just got the sauce. And, I mean, there's something about, you know, maybe going to uh, New York, big the big apple sauce. I don't know. It just it fits, right? So uh, this is a guy that the confidence is just it, – it it oozes uh, when you talk to him. Uh, and it rubs off on his teammates too. Uh, you know, I've talked to multiple of his teammates who have mentioned how – the way he carries himself, the confidence, uh, it just, it's something that makes them better. Uh, but also his, his natural cover instincts, he's a really twitchy guy. So, you know, he can turn and run. He can drive on the football. The click and close is terrific. Uh, really, really combative without necessarily making a ton of penalties. So uh, the way he plays, the, the attitude, the confidence, uh, that's as much of a factor as his athletic ability and his size, the length. So, there's a lot of things that you point to that says, okay, this is going to translate well to the NFL. Ooh, okay. Well, first of all, I have multiple questions. First off, Big Applesauce, like the nickname. Second of all, um, like, what is your favorite sauce? Like, barbe is barbecue sauce? Is it, you know, huh. uh, is it like Chick-fil-A sauce? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Has anybody uh, asked you this question in, in regard to Sauce Gardner? Because I feel like, no. I, I feel like a lot of people would have, but if I'm the first one, I will gladly be that person. No, yeah, you are the first one. I, I think you okay. know maybe maybe cane sauce. Um, I ah. mean, that's uh, well, what that's, about like if it was like you know where do you stand on ranch? See, I'm not I'm not a big ranch guy. Um, mm. Like okay. bar like barbecue sauce, I think is overrated. Um, I'm I'm a big you know if I you're agree. doing barbecue if you're doing barbecue right, you don't need sauce. Um, but no, I mean there's you know yeah there's some good dipping sauces out there. I'm, I'm a big fan of you know. <laughs> Like a, like a like a garlic parmesan sauce, you know, especially with yeah. wings, things like that. So yeah, that that'd be, probably be my vote. Okay, and if you were to choose a sauce to best describe sauce, oh, what is it? Uh, let's see. Let's go with uh, let's go with with, with go with the cane sauce because it's a little peppery, <laughs> and so you know there, there, that's how that's how he plays. It's a little pepper to his game. You know, a little bit of uh. Uh, just a, a hint of uh, a tang and a hint of, uh, you know, a pepper. <laughs> so, you know, he's going to use his hands, pepper you, and you know, he's going to jam. Yeah, not going to over, you know, it's not going to ruin the meal. You know, it's not going to overwhelm you, but he's going to get the job right. done. Yeah. Okay, I like it. I like it. And I also like that you said confidence because I feel like corners kind of get the stigma that they're that they're cocky, but you're saying – He's confident, but he doesn't quite go over that line in terms of cockiness. So that's something to keep in mind. The other thing I want to ask you is, who else were you considering at the fourth overall pick in this mock draft? Well, I think there's a, a decent chance that one of uh, Evan Neal or Iki Aquanu, uh would be there at, at number four. And I think you know that's you know, two really good offensive linemen, guys that have tackle guard uh, ability. 
So, you know, guys that can come in and help you out right away, whether that's a right tackle, whether that's on, you know, on the interior, um, you know, the moves that they potentially make in free agency, maybe offensive line is, isn't as much of a, uh, a clear need, but we'll have to see on that. And I, but I think it's important that, you know, you're, you're not drafting just for 2022, you're drafting for the future. And, and so uh, offensive line should absolutely be in that mix. And then uh, pass rusher, you know, I mentioned how tackle, pass rusher corner, the premium positions, that's what teams are going to focus on. And this, this draft has some of those premium positions early, especially in pass rusher is Trevon Walker uh, still available uh, out of Georgia who, you know, the traits are off the charts. Uh, this guy is going to go early. I would be at this point, I think he's a, a, he's more likely he goes top five than goes in the six to 10 range. So there's a very good chance that he's maybe not even there at four, but if Trevon Walker is there at four, he's there in that mix. Uh, you do your due diligence on Kayvon Thibodeau to find out if he'd be a fit uh, in your building, on your roster, with your culture. Uh, and then Jermaine Johnson, uh, you know, maybe you think about him as well there at number four, if you're maybe worried that he won't make it to you at number 10. All right, so Sauce Gardner is the pick for the Jets in your mock draft at four. Jermaine Johnson, though, is your pick at 10. So in this scenario, you think that it's it's one feasible that he makes it to ten, and two obviously is the right choice for the Jets there because why? Feasible, I think that's a good way to put it. I don't know that it's um, you know I definitely wouldn't call it a lock. I definitely wouldn't say that it's uh, more than likely, but it's certainly possible that Jermaine Johnson could be there uh, at number ten, six five, two hundred fifty four pounds, thirty four inch arms. Uh, this is a, you know a player that was kind of lost a little bit in that Georgia front seven. He bets on himself, uh, transfers to Florida State, becomes the alpha of that defensive line, uh, and he had a career year. Led the ACC in tackles for loss, 18. Led the ACC in sacks with 12. Uh, and, you know, you wondered how would the uptick in snaps, how would he respond? He responded in a pretty big way. Uh, and, and so for Jermaine Johnson, he you start to run out of reasons why he shouldn't be a top 15, top 10 pick uh, when you watch the tape, when you talk to him. Uh, when you just go over your notes and you're like, okay, yeah, why aren't we talking about this guy as uh, someone that could go really high? You, you love how long he is. You love uh, the fact that he's a two-way player. He's going to affect the pass. He's going to affect the run. Uh, there's just not many negatives to why you wouldn't want to add Johnson to your roster. You know, Dane, when people say, well, all right, just playing devil's advocate, Jermaine Johnson, maybe he couldn't do it at Georgia and then he needed to go to the ACC and then he blows up. Like, what's your argument? What's your counterpoint to people who use that as a knock against him? Yeah, I wouldn't say that he couldn't do it. It's just he was part of a rotation because that's how Georgia operates. They have so many guys on that roster, on that depth chart, uh, especially in the front seven. That's why, you know, they, they, and it's smart. If you're Georgia, why, if you have, and you have all these guys, rotate them in and out. That's what you're keeping them fresh. You know, you're, you're mixing things up and keeping the offense guessing. So from a coaching standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, makes a, it makes total sense for, for Georgia to do that. They just want a national title doing that. Uh, for Jermaine Johnson, I can understand from his point of view, why he wanted to see more consistent workload, why he wanted to see more snaps. So he transfers bets on himself and so that, that was the big question. How would he respond? And from the season opening game against Notre Dame back in September, it was clear that, okay, yeah, Jermaine Johnson, this guy, he uh, he is the real deal. Uh, and so I think he showed that. You see, I mean, the motor, it doesn't matter that the his uh, snaps uh, almost tripled. The motor runs hot no matter what. Uh, his ability versus the runs really stands out. Natural instincts. Uh, he's very quick with how he reacts. 
so there's a lot to like about Jermaine Johnson and how he's going to affect your your defense as a, a three-down player. So we know, or at least I know, you've talked about it a lot, how much you like Trevon Walker. As a prospect, as a player, you think that potentially he could be the best defensive player of this draft class. I'm just curious, seeing what Jermaine Johnson did in 2021 when he wasn't part of a rotation, when he was asked to rush the passer all the time, does that almost not, I don't want to say factor in, but does that make you think about like, okay, like this is kind of like what Trevon Walker could be when he's not a part of a rotation like that. And he's asked to rush the passer. Like, is there anything that you can connect the paths between the two of these guys, even though one did it in college and the other one you're hoping does in the NFL? Yeah, no, I think that, and you do this with all all, all players that you evaluate. You you look at their situation. Okay, what were they asked to do? Uh, you know, what what in in different situations? And a guy like Trevon Walker, he was asked to hold the point of attack. He was asked to be head up over the tackle, sometimes on the inside shade, uh, and lock out, control the point of attack, allow uh, you know the linebackers to go make plays. You know, not let the run uh, spill. To, or, you know, and able to hold contain. So, I mean, with Trevon Walker, it's, yes, there's projection involved because, uh, you know, it's like, let's say Jermaine Johnson comes out uh, after the season. You know, he's part of a rotation, not proven um, as a guy that could, you know, did it snap in, snap out. Jermaine Johnson probably goes, you know, second round if he comes out last year. He Instead, he goes back or he goes to Florida State and he's able to prove that, hey, yeah, I am a top 10, top 15 pick. Trevon Walker Yes, there's a projection there, but I think the traits are just too special for him to fall too far. Uh, that's why we're talking about him as a top 10 guy, maybe a top five guy, uh, because uh, of what he was asked to do. But again, they just don't make guys like this that have that type of length, that type of athleticism, that type of power. Uh, they're just not walking down the street. And so I think Trevon Walker, someone's going to bet on those traits. And uh, if they give him a chance to develop, he, it could be something special. So a lot of mock drafts right now have the Jets selecting receiver at number 10. That's a popular pick. You have the Jets going receiver with pick number 35 with Penn State's Jahan Dotson. One, why do you feel like it was, you know, I, I why do you feel like it was right almost in a way to wait till 35? And two, what kind of player is Jahan Dotson? What would he add to this Jets offense? Yeah, and I'm not sure it was so much about waiting on receiver as it is making sure you're getting your two highest graded players in the top 10, you know, and, and I think they, they did that in this scenario with Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson. You're getting the corner, you're getting the pass rusher, uh, two key positions that you want to upgrade on your roster. And, you know, I think there are some talented receivers they should consider at number 10, uh, especially because there's a good chance uh, they'll have their option of probably any of those guys, as long as none of the receivers are off the board in the first nine picks. But if they do wait, I, I think that there's a chance that one of those top six receivers maybe followed at early second and it could be Jahan Dotson 5'11 178 uh not the biggest guy and so you know that's something that you know you maybe you think about and how he fits with uh your current roster and you know you drafted Elijah Moore in the, uh you know uh, early second round last year how does he you know he's not a big guy does are you looking for more size at that position but the way Jahan Dotson plays he plays so much bigger than he looks because he has outstanding ball skills maybe the best ball skills uh in this entire draft uh, his ability, he's got twitchy speed, so he can beat press. He can ma manipulate coverages uh, up and down the field. Uh, so even though, again, the size is not maybe what you want, ideally, his hands are outstanding. The body control is above average. Uh, he, And this sounds hyperbolic. He might have the largest catch radius of any 
5'11 receiver I've ever evaluated. So even though he is a little undersized, he plays much bigger than he looks. Is there any player that Dotson reminds you of in the pros or somebody that you scouted before that that you think is just, you know, oh, I kind of see this in Jahan Dotson, and I think that'll I think that's what he is on the next level. I, I, I think he has a much better hands, but I think in terms of the routes, the movements, the way he plays, Deontay Johnson from the Steelers. Uh, you know, you see the dynamic speed, you see the route instincts. Uh, but again, I think Jahan Dotson has much better ball skills than Johnson. So uh, and I think Dotson gives you a little bit more on special teams as well. I, he could be a punt returner. He can he can do that for you. So um, I, you know, Deontay Johnson's become kind of the de facto number one in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and Dotson, I think, has at least that ability to do that uh, in the NFL for whoever drafts him. All right. So here's the other thing you got to keep in mind. I know you mentioned in the height, the Jets last year played with Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios. None of those guys are the tallest in the room. And it's not a knock on any of those guys. They're all very productive players for the Jets, even though Jamison Crowder currently a free agent. So, or a he has an expiring contract, I guess, as we technically start right now at 10.55 now in the morning. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And so I just want that to be clear. Jahan Dotson, very impressive player for Penn State. Then you have the Jets three picks later going back to the defense going to the safeties, so you get your corner with pick number four. Then you get Lewis Seen, right, who has a phenomenal backstory, as you discussed on a prior episode. But what does he add as a player that this Jets defense is missing right now? Yeah, I think he gives you range. He gives you explosiveness. Uh, he's got an appetite for contact. Uh, he's really a do-everything safety. Uh, and, and we saw that on, on, you know, we've talked about Georgia's defense uh, already today, and we're going to do it again with seed because uh, at the back end, you know, we talk so much about the front seven at Georgia and deservedly so, but Lewis seen what he did coming from the back, uh, you know, whether he's playing downhill and making physical hits, whether he's showing his range playing either sideline. Uh, there are some, some areas that he needs to tidy up, you know, tackling technique, things like that, but he's a physical run defender. He runs the alley uh, like a freight train, and he'll look to tune you up. Uh, so he's that enforcer versus a run, but he also has the athleticism that he can hold up in coverage. Uh, we saw him run a 4-3-7 at the Combine, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds. So uh, I think he's an ascending talent and somebody that I, I think could come in and play right away, and he's going to get better uh, with the more action that he sees on the field. You know, when you say appetite for contact and aggressive player, now, how good is he moving backwards? Because everything that you feel like the stigma of everything you said was coming downhill. So I'm just mm -hmm. curious, how good is he in coverage? Yeah, and what, so that he played kind of a strong safety uh, role in that Georgia defense, kind of played that that money position that they have uh, in Dan Lanning's uh, defense. So uh, a lot of his uh, game was playing downhill because he would play either split safety or single high or, uh, you know, he'd be working down towards the box, things like that. Um, and so uh, he wasn't necessarily asked to play over the slot and, and pedal and, uh, you know, go in reverse all that often. But in terms of the range where he could play to both sidelines, uh, he has that, you know, he has the speed. And so in coverage, there are some areas where he needs to prove himself. But that's why we're talking about him here uh, in the early second. Uh, if he was necessarily proven in that area, he'd be long gone in the top 20 picks because that's how impressive of a player that he is. But again, he has the athletic traits uh, that I think that you can project him getting better in coverage the more he's asked to do it. All right. So 
You know, actually, let me let me rewind real quickly. You said Jahan Dotson might be one of the top six receivers to slip yep. out into the second round. Like, who are some of the other guys in that conversation that could be the one to slip out? Well, you know, I, I think that you know Garrett Wilson, he's the top guy in my opinion. Uh, then after that, uh, you know, you got Traylon Burks from Arkansas, uh, Drake London from USC, Jamison Williams, Alabama, uh, and, and Chris Olave from Ohio State, and then Dotson. Those six receivers, I think all six belong in the first round. But could we see one of them slip out of the top 32 picks? It's certainly possible. You know, six receivers in the first round is a lot. And a couple of these guys have a few question marks. Uh, you know, Drake London is not the fastest uh, receiver out there. I mean, he probably runs mid four fives. And even though he still belongs in the first round, that's enough that could maybe have him slip a little bit. Jamison Williams coming off the ACL injury. Is that something that could drop him a little bit? Uh, Jahan Dotson, because he is a sub 180 pound receiver. Maybe that's something that uh, would make him drop a little bit. So, you know, we talked a lot about Elijah Moore uh, last year being a late first round pick, and he was, you know, slipped to the early second. So I don't think it's impossible to see one of these wide receivers and say, uh, you know, it's possible that one of them would get to the second round, possibly the Jets pick there. All right. That's a great answer. I just want I want I wanted to make sure that, you know, that we were covering all our bases here. Yeah. But so far in our mock draft, We've covered every position on the defense except for one, and that's linebacker. And that's coming right now in the third round. Chad Muma out of Wyoming, tackling machine, not to mention, oh, the Jets coached him in the Senior Bowl. So this is where you really start to pay off the dividend. So what do you think about Chad Muma and his fit with the Jets? Yeah, and it's important to keep in mind because we've seen every year uh, the teams that coach in the Senior Bowl usually end up drafting one or two or three of the guys that they coached uh, down there in Mobile because they know them better than uh, the other teams. They understand what these guys are all about. And Chad Muma, uh, 6'3", 239 pounds, uh, ran a 4'6 in the 40, 7.063 cone, uh, two-year starter uh, at Wyoming. He backed up Logan Wilson uh, initially. Uh, high school safety comes into Wyoming, backs up Logan Wilson. Wilson was a third-round pick of the Bengals two years ago, and scouts think that uh, Muma is better than Wilson, uh, a lot of them. Uh, Muma, over the last two years, averaged 11.3 tackles per game, so tackling machine, like you mentioned. Uh, I, I think that when you watch his film, it's just it's catnip for NFL scouts because you're looking at him. He can run. He, he can fill up the stat sheet. The intangibles are off the charts. At the very worst, you're talking about a guy that's going to have a big-time role on special teams and then help you out on defense. At the best, I mean, this guy's going to be a long-time NFL starter, and we're talking about a third-round pick. So I, does he have any major deficiencies as a prospect? I don't think so. I, I think that maybe you know his lateral, lateral range is average, his take-on skills could be better, but he doesn't have that one fatal flaw that I think is going to keep him from being a good player in the NFL. So if third-round picks like Chad Muma – you're, you're giving him a rave review. Could this be a day one starter? Or do you think that his best scenario, like if he were to come to the Jets, the Jets have CJ Mosley, they have Quincy Williams, maybe you work in Chad Muma in sub packages, and then you give him a, a year or two to really develop, and then you let him take off? Like, is that the path? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I put him in the mix right away and let the best man win. You, you know, give him a chance to earn the job. And uh, I think that he'll make some waves in, in training camp. He, he's that high-energy tackling machine. The play speed jumps out. The compete skills jump out. Uh, his awareness to always be around the football, that's something that's not by accident. So 
Uh, absolutely. I think that uh, you add them to the mix and just let see how it shakes out. You know, don't don't uh, set you know right now after you draft them. Don't uh, make a decision on who your starter is going to be. Let that play out in training camp and then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. All right. Round four and round five. The Jets have two picks apiece. Let's start in round four. Where are you going with both of the picks here? Well, we, we just talked about a senior bowl guy. Let's talk about two more. Uh, let's get better on offense and start on the offensive line, adding some depth with uh, Luke Gedeke, uh from Central Michigan. And just a fascinating story. He had very few options out of high school, but he bet on himself. He went and played at Division three level playing tight end. And then he's decided, you know what, I want to play at a higher level. So he uh, transfers up to the MAC level at Central Michigan. And instead of playing tight end, they move in the offensive line. So he has not been playing on the offensive line very long, but his film in 2021, this past year, really, really impressive at right tackle. And you know, most of the attention is uh, on uh, you know Raymond uh, on the other side, the left tackle. But Gedeke is a really good player as well, and I think he's going to be an NFL starter. Uh, maybe inside a guard, probably is better fit. Uh, I think he's a, a really good finisher on the run game. Does a great job staying connected to blocks because his hands are so strong and he stays balanced through contact. Um, and I think in pass protection, that's where you see a little bit of uh, you know, where he needs to work on. And that's why I think moving him inside the guard, probably his best fit. But with Luke Gedeke, this is a guy, again, only two years of ex uh, playing experience on the offensive line. But the strength, the lower body fluidity, the way he stays centered on blocks – those things will translate. And so I think you have a potential starter here with Gedeke. Uh, we didn't get the chance to see him at the senior bowl because he got hurt. Uh, he was dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, and you know, I was talking to him at the combine and he said he was just in tears in the senior bowl locker room that first practice when he couldn't go and he knew it. And he was just in tears because he, he wanted to compete so badly. And you could bet that something like that will, you know, the Jets coaches took notice of uh, down there in Mobile. Uh, then the second player, Jake Ferguson, tight end at Wisconsin, three-year starter, uh, he primarily an inline guy, uh, but a guy that can do everything. He can block. He's a reliable pass catcher, natural tracking skills, uh, can work in traffic. Not a guy that's going to put the ball on the ground. I think he only, only one drop this past year and 61 targets. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that's maybe not going to scare defenses with his athleticism. He doesn't have a pull away gear, but a guy that's just reliable, dependable, competitive uh, in, in all uh, aspects of his game. So for Gedeke, does he offer position versatility, or do you think that the Senior Bowl would have showed that if he were able to practice and maybe his stock wouldn't have been a fourth-round pick? Maybe it would have been a little higher if he were able to compete. Yeah, Talking to scouts, they believe that he has three-position versatility, center, uh, guard, tackle. And we've only really seen him at tackle, uh, at right tackle. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see him move inside during Senior Bowl practices but I think that's probably where he's best, and that's where uh, you know teams like him. And when you look at the way he's adapted from tight end to offensive line and the adjustments that he has made, I think it's in the realm of possibility to think that he could possibly make that same move to center, if that's what you're looking for. Um, but I think you're looking at him primarily as a guard and a guy that can help you out in a pinch at tackle or center. All right, and then one last thing on Ferguson before we wrap up in the fifth round. Like, what's the drop-off? between a guy like Jake Ferguson and a guy like Jeremy Ruckert, who was also at the Senior Bowl, another guy the Jets coached up? I think that Ruckert has a little bit higher ceiling uh, because I think he's a, a better athlete, um, a, a guy that just brings a little bit more to, uh, especially the passing game as a receiver. Um, I think that he gives you something a little bit more. But Jake Ferguson's no, no slouch in that area. We saw it in the Senior Bowl game. He had a touchdown. Um, so a guy that 
maybe not, you know, he's, he's more of a one speed guy, not necessarily explosive. Uh, so, you know, I, the way I, you know, kind of sum it up, not much style, but there's a lot of substance there. Ball skills, competitiveness. Um, I think he could be a, uh, you know, come in and compete to be the number two tight end right away. All right, well, let's wrap this baby up. Round five, the Jets also have two picks in the fifth round. So where are you going to round out your five round, which is really a seven round mock draft because the Jets don't have picks in round six or round seven right now. So where are we going to wrap this up? Well, we went with uh, offense uh, with the two picks in the fourth. So let's go to defense with our two picks in the fifth uh, and started off with uh, Iowa State defense tackle, who's really impressive, Ioma Uwazurike. Uh, 6'6", 316 pounds, over 35-inch arms, uh, a Detroit native who went to Iowa State and really got better every single year, and he blossomed as a senior. Uh, I think he ranked top three in school history in tackles for loss, 34 and a half, and they played him up and down the line. You know, you had to kind of make sure you're paying attention because one snap he's uh, on the edge, the next snap he's playing kind of as a shaded nose. Uh, I mean, he was up and down that defensive line for the Cyclones, did a little bit of everything with the hybrid front that they run there in Ames. Uh, but this is a guy that uh, the active hands really stands out. His ability to find the football. Um, I, I think that he could get a little bit better with his engagement, but uh, you know, a guy that, uh, especially his pad level as well, uh, that's going to help him stay connected to blocks. But you look at it, the length, the athletic feet, uh, he could be disruptive from different alignments. So it doesn't matter if you run even or odd fronts. He's gonna he's gonna be a fit for you. Uh, you you can find a spot for this guy uh, and add immediate uh, immediate depth to your rotation on the defensive line. And then the other guy I want to talk about uh, Christopher Allen, uh, the second pick in the fifth round, a little bit of a forgotten player uh, out of uh, Alabama, 6'4", 241, missed this entire year with uh, with an ankle injury, foot injury uh, that he suffered in season opener. He only played ten snaps this year, ten snaps before he got hurt. But you know what? Those 10 snaps were really, really impressive. Uh, he had three tackles and a strip sack uh, against uh, Miami Hurricanes in the season opener. So uh, this is a player who is getting better and is has yet to play his best football. And you're getting him at a, a big discount because of that injury. So as long as the doctors sign off on him, you're getting a guy with play strength, with hand violence, um, You know, needs to get better schooled with just the overall art of the pass rush. But he has natural twitch. He has the upfield attack that you can uh, you know, develop a little bit. So the, as long as the medicals are, are clean, I, I think he's a guy that can be come in, be a rotational pass rusher, and maybe grow into more. All right, you got to be honest with us. How much did you want to put Ioma Uwazurike in the mock just to be able to say his name? <laughs> Honestly, no. I, I, I didn't want to put him in the mock so I could avoid saying his name. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I you know, kind of say it to myself a few times before we hit record here. Just to, to get it down because it's it's not the easiest uh, name out there to say, but I, I, he's a good player, and that's why I wanted to get him in there because uh, you know defensive tackle depth is something in this draft that is okay, but it's not great. And so if you're able to get a guy like this in the early fifth, um, I, I think that'd be a, a great addition for a team like the Jets that are always looking for you know, more depth on the defensive line. Absolutely, that's that's the mantra of Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. Essentially, it's all in the trenches. But I will say. Insurance policy after Uazrike, you put Christopher Allen. So, you know, it, yeah. we, we can only do one difficult name. The other one's very easy to pronounce. <laughs> That's it. I went with a guy with two first names. Uh, you know, don't have, don't have to worry about that. Uh, but it, he's also a guy that I wanted to get in there because I think, I mean, no one's talking about him. Because, uh, again, he's the forgotten guy 
which it's hard to do that when you're coming from Alabama, but when you miss the entire year and you don't have a, you know, this big robust resume at the college level, uh, you know, it could be easy. It could be easy to overlook you. Uh, but Christopher Allen's got talent. And so he's, he's a player that I, I want, uh, you know, fans to, to keep an eye on throughout the draft, especially on day three. So like fully healthy, let's say he played a full year and had a, a year somewhat on par with what his 10 yep. snaps indicated. Like what round are we talking about in terms of Christopher Allen compared to the fifth round? Second. Uh, I mean, I, he, wow. he probably, All yeah, right. he, he, he would be, we'd be talking about him more as that type of player. Uh, you know, like he's a little bit of a tweener because he's 6'4", 240. So, you know, there's a little bit of a tweener element there, but he's got some pass rush juice uh, and he could play the run. So I, you know, he played that Sam linebacker role in uh, in, in Sabrin's hybrid three four. So he would stand up uh, on early downs, put his hand on the ground on third downs. So I, he's got a little bit of that versatility. But uh, I mean, he had a good twenty twenty season. Uh, he led the SEC in tackles for loss. So coming off that twenty twenty season, uh, there there was some definitely some buzz on Christopher Allen, Allen, and then he got hurt in the opener, which kind of. Uh, kind of buried him and some some thought maybe he'd go back to, to school try to get healthy again but uh yeah, I understand why he came out now and you know try to you know really take advantage of uh what he did in 2020 I, th I thought he put enough on tape uh, on that film that says hey I'm a good player and as long as the medicals are good again discount sticker because of the medicals but as long as your doctors give you the two thumbs up more than worth the chance there in the fifth round oh I always love a good discount sticker I mean you know and in terms of off the field, in terms of non-football related items, right? Well, why would I, you know, football is a little different because you want your athletes to be healthy. But when you say discount sticker, my ears perk up, whatever. That's how we wrap up the mock draft. This was a great exercise. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think Jets fans would like the mock draft. But next week, we're back to the position by position previews. And then as we inch closer to the draft. So, Dane, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Ethan.